So today, we are finishing our series called Passwords. And now, a password is defined as simply a secret word or phrase that must be used in order to gain admission or access to something. And I strongly believe that God has given us the passwords and uh, those passwords give us access to the authority in Christ that he has given to us. So this is the theme verse for this series, Proverbs 18, verse 21. And um, as soon as we get up there, it says, there we go. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And yet many of us underestimate the power that our words have. It's a life or death. And so the first week we talked about how there is a God kind of faith and that he used it to create the world with his words. And then we see Jesus that's constantly speaking to things, to objects and weather and plants and dead people. And so he's always speaking two things. And then we also learn that the tongue is a steering wheel. Although it's very small, it has a great amount of power within our lives. But sometimes we use our tongue and it doesn't seem to steer our life in the way that it ought to go. So we talked about that that's how, that, how, why that is. We have to look under the, under the hood to figure out um, what is the engine, uh, what's going on with the engine. And so we did that. And uh, then we know that James told us that the tongue is wild. But, uh, but we're to try to keep it under control. So last week we talked about tongue safety rules, how to wield our tongue and for it to bring life and not death. So if you missed any of those, I just want to encourage you to go to our website or a mobile app or to YouTube and just uh, fill in the cracks there um, because this has been very much a precept upon precept series. And so if you missed anything, I hope that you'll go back and check that out. But now this week, we are just going to finish up and put a bow on this by just talking about these practical steps as you begin to execute your faith through the power of your words. So turn with me to Mark chapter 11. And in Mark chapter 11, Jesus had spoken to the fig tree, as you remember, and he spoke to the wind, he spoke to demons, but he also spoke to this fig tree and it obeyed him. And so, but when they saw that the tree had withered away from the roots, um, in verse 22, um, after that they remarked to Jesus and they're amazed, Jesus said, have faith in God. Or, as we discussed, discussed, have the God kind of faith. In other words, operate in faith as God does. And he went on to say, truly I say to you that if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done with, uh, for them. And man, that is good news. If you say the right thing, that you can believe something in your heart and that you could say it with your mouth and it will come to pass. Now, when you say these things, some people uh, are, that aren't very faith-oriented, they immediately think that that's preposterous, that that's ridiculous, that, uh, we're, that we're talking about saying abracadabra, and uh, there it is, or hocus-pocus, and it just appears. No? See, that's not what Jesus is talking about. The word is 
uh, is powerful, but you don't just say something off the top of your head and it just happens in your life. It says if you believe it in your heart and you do not doubt, so that's the first thing, is we've got to keep hearing it enough to where we are confident and that we are really expecting it to happen. And of course, when you're saying it with conviction, you are hearing it. So it's this wonderful cycle. Even if you don't believe it yet, start saying it. But don't just say it. See, you can get cognitive dissonance if you say something over and over just to say it, but you don't believe it. So here's what you want to do. You want to confess it into your heart. It's got to be a mental thing, but it also has to be a heart thing where you are declaring and believing into your life. See, there's a difference between quoting and, and declaring. And you want to declare. And so uh, you could quote all the time, but if you don't take a minute just to insert it into your heart and make a declaration... That, and, and that you would believe that what you're saying will come true, then you can get that cognitive dissonance that will actually create more confusion on the inside of you. But if you begin to declare it and declare it long enough, it will get inside of you. And, and then when you, uh, when you speak it out of a heart of faith, it releases power in the world that you live in to change things. And it's a wonderful thing. And, um, and it is continually active in your life. Speaking, using words, is the number one way that you release your faith. Now, I've had people come to me before and say, you know what? I found out that faith without works is dead, as it says in James. You know, that that doesn't necessarily get your body healed or, your, or, or your, pay your bills. And so, um, it doesn't reach people from far from God. So I've got to release my faith. And so how do I do that? How do I act on my faith? And so you begin to talk with them about saying in the words of their mouth. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I need to act out my faith. But here's the thing. Is that faith many times is action on the word. It is releasing your faith. And when we use our words to express what we believe, it does make a difference. Uh, for instance, let's think about creation. God said, let there be light. Now, he didn't pause and say, now, what else do I need to do to make that happen? No, in that situation, through the words of his mouth, power and faith was released, and the Holy Spirit moved, and it became. It was. And so, there are times when God will lead you, though, to do actions in addition to your words. For example, let's look at James chapter 2. And in James chapter 2... In verse 15, he says, Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food. And if one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and, well, and be well fed. So the confession of our mouth is right here. But if they do nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And so there is a place where action is accompanied um, by the, in addition to the words of our mouth. And so we're, but there is times when we just speak to things, but then there is a place where if we were just to speak, and, and listen, Christians are, have been really bad about this, where somebody tells us that they have a need, and we say, oh man, I, you know, I'll pray for you. You know, well, that's, that's awesome if you actually remember to pray for them. And, you know, and, and as much as this makes sense, pray for them right there. Don't tell them that you will and then risk forgetting later. Uh, 
Speak the word over them right then and there. And you don't have to go on and on and on, but then you could just speak the word. It could be one to two sentences where you just declare. That's what Jesus did. He didn't go on and on and on. But then at that point, there are times when we need to actually, we need to actually give action. We can't just say, go peace, go in peace, be warm and filled. But we actually need to reach in and help our brother or sister. And our faith is sown by those works. Now, this almost always, almost, is in relation to other people. And not necessarily in relation to receiving from God. Most of the time when you're talking about receiving from God, you're going to speak to a thing. And that is the action that accompanies your faith. But when we're talking about two other people, many times it needs to go beyond, you know, hey, I, you know, be warmed and filled. And so you do want to speak the word over their life, but you also want to step in and say, hey, how can I help you? And, and in this situation, how can I help you with food and with clothing? And so let's look in verse 18. It says, but somebody will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And so we've got to, um, we've got to, to find this place in our life where, listen, if you're speaking over your marriage, but that's all you're doing, you're probably going to have a hard time. Because a lot of it is in, in what we do. We say, God, heal my marriage. And of course, first of all, that's not right. Because it's not God's responsibility to heal your marriage. It's your responsibility to heal your marriage. See, he's already shed the love of God in your heart. And it's our responsibility to, to say, even though I would speak over my own life, God, help me to love my spouse. Not feel in love with them, but to actually action with my faith to love my spouse. Or be even better yet, just, you know, just to speak over yourself, I am loving toward my spouse. But if you're speaking over that and over your marriage, but you're not doing anything, there's going to be an issue. Not much is going to change. So speaking of finances, if you're sitting at home watching marathons of stranger things and not looking for work or working or, or the only place you go to look for work or people that you know will turn you down. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I stepped on a few toes right there. Forgive me. You can do that all you want, but if there is no action associated with that, not much is going to happen. See, God expects us to be faithful. Remember the parable of the talents. He gave them talents or a portion of money, and he left. And when he came back, he expected them to have actually done something with it, to take action and move forward. So there are situations where words should be accompanied by other actions in order to work. See, all kinds of times where people are speaking over their health, but yet I see how they eat or their lack of movement. And so that stuff is working against their words. I, I once knew a, a girl who was incredibly unhealthy and we stopped to eat somewhere and she got a huge hamburger and an extra large fry and extra large soda and then she spoke over it that the calories would be removed <laughs> from, from that meal. And I... <laughs> 
I'm just telling you that sometimes our actions work against our faith. Or, you know what? So be careful. And always ask yourself, is there any action that needs to be, a separ- uh, that needs to be associated with my faith and my words? Okay? So we, we've got to assume in and of ourselves a little bit of common sense. That, you know, if you're speaking, God, I, I speak that I ace that test, but you never cracked the book. So there is a place where your faith not only needs you to speak it, but also some effort on our part as well. But there are some times where speaking is the only action that is required. It's the only action necessary in order to release faith and to change a situation. It's what happened when you got born again. You didn't have to climb the highest mountain. You didn't have to swim the ocean. You just believed in your heart. And you confessed with your mouth that Jesus was Lord. And when you confessed with your faith, it opened the door for the power of God to come in and to make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. If that actually took place on the inside of you, there is something on the inside of you that wants to change the actions that maybe you've been doing or that you've had. And so sometimes you believe in your heart, you speak with your mouth, and then the actions that you take are a result that you actually believed that what you were going to say was going to come to pass. <laughs> it's awful quiet in here. I just put responsibility on us. So, so let's, um, let's go over to the book of Romans. And in Romans, there's a statement there that's one of my favorites on this subject. And it opens up the effect of words on our whole lives. And so Romans 5 and verse 17 says, For if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man, Adam, how much more would those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness from Jesus reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. One translation says, says it like this, that they shall reign as kings in life. And it's talking about this life, here and now, by one, Jesus Christ. Now, let's think about this for a minute. Let's unpack it. How do kings reign? I mean, if somebody's the, the king over an entire kingdom and they sit on the throne, if they want a ditch dug, they don't look for a shovel. If they want a project built, they don't go and look for a hammer or a saw. They're the king. So how do they cause it to come to pass? They sit there on their throne in their place of authority, and they say, let a ditch be dug. And a ditch is dug. Let this be built, and it's built. See, kings reign through their words, the spoken word. And Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You and I, we are his born-again children. We are his kings. We are the kings that he is the king of. And so how are we going to rule and reign in this life? 
Now, there are some works that you don't want to get into when it comes to all this. And Paul used to warn them uh, in all the epistles that it's not by works, it's by grace and by faith. And so there are certain things where when you're trying to get God to do things through extreme fasting, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. And so, no, you're not going to make God do... Remember, when it comes to God, it's not about works. God has already given us the authority, right? And so the, his authority responds to our words. He's a faith God. And it actually says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And the number one way that we release our faith to ex- execute the promises of God is with our mouth. See, faith is a rest, we got to relax and sit back in faith and go, all right, so this needs to be changed, so let it be so. Maybe it's a body part or a kidney or, or a lung. Well, whose lung is it? Well, it's my lung. Well, do I have authority over my body? Maybe it hasn't been operating the way it, sh- the way it should. So how are we going to get that changed? And so people miss it by begging God, please, God, change this. Please, God, heal me. Well, remember our text. Jesus said, if you've got a mountain in your life, he didn't say beg God to move the mountain. Oh, please, God, make the mountain move. Please, God. No. He said, you stand up and you speak to that mountain. I'm giving you the authority. And you tell it to get out out of your life and be removed. And expectedly, what you said will come to pass. You will have what you say. And so that's the thing. So many of us are living on such a low level. See, living by faith is not being a beggar. It's ruling and reigning like the king that he made us to be. Now, as you grow in this, you're going to begin to see some problems in your own confession. And if you're not catching mistakes in what you say on a regular basis, then you're not growing. Don't be ashamed of that. It means you're growing. See, none of us have gotten to a place where we never, ever make a mistake in what we say. Look with me at James chapter 3 in verse 2. It says, we all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Huh. Able to keep their whole body in check. But he also said that the tongue is untamable. So we have to constantly be working on it and working on it and catching ourselves. But if we're growing, we will be catching things. Now, we might say something and, nope, no, 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 I don't, I did that yesterday. I, I don't believe that. I did, oop, that, put it back in somehow. Let's talk, let's talk over top of it. Let's confess, oh, that wasn't the right way to say that. This is the way that I should actually say that. We have all kinds of people that go to the doctor and they don't know, they know their gun's loaded, but they don't know what, they don't want to speak doubt and unbelief. They don't want to speak, but see, what they want to do is they want to speak what the past is, but not what the future is. But if you go to the doctor and he asks you what's wrong and you say, nothing, I'm healed. Well, they're really confused at that point. And so I talked a little bit about this last week. It's a little trick to help you is that you can state the past, but you speak to and declare the present and the future. So somebody asks you how you're doing, and actually they just love you, and they're wanting to check on you. And they know you've had a problem, and they want to check on you. Just tell them how it's been. That's okay. It hadn't been good. But then you can tell them how it's going to be. 
right? You know, so how, but when the doctor says, hey, you know, um, how, how have you been? Where does it hurt? Don't say nowhere in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, man, I've grown up in the word. Of, I've grown up in all this and I've seen some weird stuff. And, and I think there is just a practical application to this that can really, really help us as we, as we maneuver our loaded guns. You could say this leg has been hurting. Think about it like this, okay? You've got to think, what if everything that comes out of my mouth actually happens? It will adjust things for you. What if everything that you said come to pass in your life? Now, the truth is that everything that you say that you believe in your heart and you keep saying long enough, it does come to pass, according to the Bible. And so, but if you, if you say something and you don't want that in your life, don't say it. Change it. We also need to be careful about watching our phrases. When we say, my this or my that, my allergies, my diabetes, my headache, or my cancer, See, we've got to be careful that we are not claiming something that we really don't want because they're not yours. Those are under the curse of the law. And you've got to be careful and catch the mistakes that are coming out of our mouth. Have you ever heard anybody say, my allergies are acting up? Sometimes we'll use other phrases concerning my this or my that, my blood system, or my metabolism is slow, or you know what, I had that bout with the flu and my immune system has been weak ever since. Why would we say that? See, we are the king of our lives. And when we decree something and, and, and your, your body is a certain way as a result of what you believe, it has to be that way. Our words have an incredible amount of power. Now, the Bible says we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ and our sins have been washed away. But what if we said, no, 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 I don't believe that. I'm a sinner and I don't accept Jesus. Well, whose word's gonna carry more weight? What God's word says over you or your word? Hmm. And so if the Bible says, by his stripes you were healed, you know, the Bible says, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. What if you said, no, 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 no. I know I have this disease and I'm not gonna make it very long. I know that and I believe it in my heart and I'm gonna speak it into existence. Whose words, your words or God's words are gonna carry more weight? Remember when Jesus went back to his hometown? Said that he could not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. So it seems as though man's lack of faith can actually limit God himself in what he wants to do. See, Jesus always wanted to heal people. The Bible answer in the Bible, Jesus' answer was always yes whenever anybody asked him, will you heal me? The answer was always yes. And so we have no reason to believe that he came into this home, his hometown and he's, nah, I don't want to. But how have we learned that we give, that we get power to what we believe in our heart? How? With our words, right? Our mouth, we say with our mouth. Now I'm gonna make a big statement right now and I want you to listen to it. Don't just tune me out. Your words carry more weight in your life than any other humans on the planet. But in many cases, your words carry more weight than God's word in your life. If you decree that your liver is bad, it has no choice. If you believe it and you say it, your, your words carry more weight than what the word of God says. 
If the, if the test shows that there's a deficiency there, if you begin to change what you believe in your heart and you begin to say, liver, I call you clean in the name of Jesus. I decree and I command that you be clean. You rule and reign as a king in life over your own life. And we've got to get this mentality because Christians, Christians we have lived at such a low level We've been taught that we are just unworthy worms. We're just sinners saved by grace. And, that, and that's a whole nother thing is that we were sinners, but today we are saved by grace. Paul did say he was a sinner saved by grace. But in the context of what he is saying, he would, it would be like me saying, well, I'm just a child that grew up. Well, I am not a child, but I am just a child that grew up. And, and, but I was a child at one time. Because the interpretation that we are sinners saved by grace, that we, on the inside we are still tainted by sin, is in conflict with everything else that the Bible teaches us about us being a new creation in Christ. That old things are passed away and new things have come. And so, but think about it. If I'm just, bless our darling hearts, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and I believe in my heart that I'm a sinner on the inside, tainted by sin, and that God just kind of like graced me. But on the inside, that's exactly what I am. And then I speak it out of my mouth. Guess what I'm going to have a problem with? Sin. And so that interpretation of it is contrary to everything else that the Bible says about the salvation experience. That, that, that we are still that sinner, but yet... God paid for our sins. And so, no, we were sinners at one time, and today we are new creations in Christ Jesus. But we've had so much of this preaching that we're just lowly and poor us, and we haven't understood that we have been made kings and priests unto our God. That's what Revelation says. And Romans says that we are to rule and reign in this life as a king, and kings reign through their words. Amen? All right. So when we start speaking like, well, that's my bad angle, or that's my bum knee, or that's my tennis elbow. Well, see, you have decreed that that's what it is, and that's what it has to be. But you could decree it something else. You could call it whole. You could call it healed. People will say, you know what? If anything bad's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. Well, yeah, if you keep talking in that way, it is. Mike, uh, Mike was even telling me uh, he, was, he was in a shooting match yesterday, and he, all, he went around a corner, and he slipped on a bunch of gravels, and somebody said, oh, be careful, you might slip, or something like that. And he said, nope, I never slip. He said, oh, don't say that, you'll jinx it. So how much more, how much do we have the exact opposite thought? Is don't say something positive, you'll jinx it. I mean, seriously, when you think about the mentality that we as even Christians that we have, if that's what jinx it, then the word of God is null and void all day long. Amen? See, you as the king of your life have decreed it and called it. And if you believe it in your heart and you're saying it and it's establishing itself as so in your life, you could change it. If we would call those things that be not as though they are. 
See, so maybe it hasn't operated uh, in perfection. Maybe it hasn't been strong, so call it strong. Maybe it hasn't been healthy, so call it healthy. So if you already felt healthy and perfect, you wouldn't need faith. Because faith is seeing or calling those things that are not as though they are. See, it shows authority in our lives when we have the right to name something. This is something else. Remember in the beginning when God created all the animals and he brought them to Adam for Adam to see, to see what Adam would call them. He would name them. That's telling us a lot. It's a lot more than it was just naming day in the garden. No, he had authority over all these animals and he had a right to decree what they would be named, what they would be. And, and see, especially in Western culture, names don't mean much to us. You know, we're thinking about a name for a child and we just get a book and we, you know, I, I think Julie's a, a beautiful name or I think Joe's a good name. But for thousands of years, it wasn't so. People chose names that described a, a character that they either wanted that child to have or sometimes as you read in the Bible by revelation from God that names were given what the man or woman would be. And so even uh, God changed people's names because he needed to change who they were. When uh, Melissa and I um, where we collaborated with Josiah's birth mom about his name. And we picked his name. Josiah in the Bible was a leader at a very, a very young age. He was a king of Israel at a very young age. And so we picked his name specifically because we felt like he was going to be a leader at a young age. His middle name, Dean, means leader. And so we, de we declare every time we say his name, Josiah, even when he's in trouble, Josiah Dean Corona. We declare that he is a leader. We've declared that over him for 16 years now. That's what God showed us, and that's what we named us, named him. And you and I, we can learn to name things. Don't name it my bad knee, my weak eye, my bad ear. Give it a name. Say you have a car. So I owe for that car, and it keeps breaking down. Nope. Call it a good car. Give it a new name. Call it paid for. Runs well decree it put that name on that car put that name on that house just call it say house you have a new name from now on you are paid for <laughs> you are a paid for house i'm the king over you and jesus is the king over me and he's given me the right to rule and reign in my life through my faith and through my words and i decree and i'm calling you the paid for house yeah. and never back out on it now, you can't go the next day and just bow down and cry and beg, please, God, please pay this. Help me with this. Help me. No, well, you just undid all your words. No, when a king declare a thing, it has to be done. They have authority. Their words have to be enacted. They have to be followed. No matter how long it takes to build that thing, they have to be followed. And so one last thing, as you begin to do this and you begin to, to notice this, you're not only going to start noticing your own words like we talked about, but you're going to start to notice other people's words. Have you done that already? Yeah. And so listen, it's not our job to correct everybody else's words in their confession. Be careful about preaching to everybody else that don't understand what you're talking about. Work on you. Focus on you. 
But I'll just, I'll warn you, the more you focus on your word and you watch your words, you will notice the mistakes that other people are making. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to tell them necessarily. Sometimes they're not open to it. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a minister that I know, and they were talking about that their spouse would take these long trips, two and three days, off the grid with no connection or cell service. And they said, you know what, I just know that they're off dead somewhere. I just, I almost gasped. I was, oh my word, you know, I, I, I care about this person a lot. And you want to reach out and just say, ah, oh, you might want to not say that. I'm not sure if you believe it or not, but still, you know, even if a gun's not loaded, like we talked about last week, I hate you're pointing it at him. But they wouldn't have been open to that at, the, at that particular time. So it's smart not to say anything if they don't understand. Okay. And, and so, listen. This is the Bible, and you cannot believe it if you want to, but we are today a result of what we've believed and said all the years prior to this. And a wise man is going to set up his future by speaking good words today. See, there's a lot of things are not going to change in a blink of an eye when you say it. But if you begin to say it and you begin to get the belief on the inside of you, just like the, holy, just like the rudder of the ship, it's going to begin to turn your life until it changes the total direction of your life. And so say it with me right now. I have what I say, I have what I say. as a result of what I believe. I 